What's the truth about child stars? Are they becoming organically famous or are they part of a pattern of exploitation by the adults around them? Also, should you try for a VBAC after having a C-section? I will give you my opinion on that. And what is the deal with all of this political infighting? Why does it seem like the right disagrees on so much more than the left does? And is that a problem? We will talk about all of this and much more on today's episode of Relatable, which is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout. That's GoodRanchers.com. Code Allie. Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. We are here for another question and answer episode, answering some of the questions that you guys sent me on Instagram. Uh, we will go ahead and get right into it. Uh, first question, you ask, should I go for a VBAC or just do elective C-sections? All right. For those of you who don't know what a VBAC is, I'm sorry, Related Bros, maybe you need to cover your ears if you don't know. Uh, VBAC is a vaginal birth after C-section. And of course, I cannot tell you. I cannot tell you what to do because I don't know. There's so many things, so many factors that people say go into it, like what your scar is like, what your previous birth or births were like, and what your medical history is. And you have to weigh the risks and the benefits based on all of these varying factors. And hopefully you have a provider that can help you do that in a way that is really objective and cares best about and who who cares the most about, you know, your health and the health of your baby and not just whatever is easiest. I will say if you look at the statistics on vaginal birth after cesarean, it is statistically, statistically, of course, again, depending on various factors, extremely safe, even safer in some cases than a repeat C-section. I think some people have the impression that a repeat C-section is without risks and that it's always the safer and the healthier option to take after you have one C-section. And that is not true. There are a lot of risks that come with that kind of major surgery, a lot of long-term problems that can come from that major surgery. Now, I'm very thankful for C-sections. I'm very thankful that we exist in a day and a place and a time where you can have a C-section that is probably going to be extremely uncomplicated that maybe saves your life, maybe saves the life of your child or your children if you're carrying multiples. And so it is an, in, uh, an incredible uh, invention of modern medicine that we should be thankful for, absolutely. But in America, our rates of C-section um, uh, are incredibly high. And we're not talking about C-sections that are actually necessary. We're talking about C-sections that are either elective C-sections, because unfortunately, a mom has been told that C-sections are easier than a vaginal birth, which I can tell you that that's not true, or that they're safer for you than a vaginal birth, which across the board is not true. Again, maybe in some circumstances it is, but in general, no, it is not. Or moms who are scared to go through the pain of labor or they're scared of what labor does to their body, whatever it is, some women are convinced to get a C-section. And a lot of times you have doctors who, for whatever reason, a lot of times for self-interest or because just based on bad medicine, bad ideas, they push women into a C-section, women who do not need a C-section. 
Women who are perfectly healthy, their babies are perfectly healthy, but they're approaching their due date and their doctor pushes them into an induction and the induction doesn't work because the mom and baby simply weren't ready to give birth yet. And then um, they're pushed into um they're pushed into a c-section because they're told well this was a failed induction we gave you pitocin we gave you the cervidil or whatever it was and didn't work hey you're already 40 weeks let's just go ahead and take the baby out unfortunately that's what happened to me with my first birth and i just didn't know any better and so that's really my biggest recommendation to you is to make sure that you are well educated on your options and to make sure that you have a provider find a provider in your area And there are all kinds of um, networks on social media. Like I found a Facebook page that was just for VBACs in my area. And all of these women who have had C-sections and VBACs would say, oh, definitely go to this doctor, avoid this doctor. This is a great midwife. This is not a good one. This hospital has high C-section rates. This hospital has high VBAC rates. Um, And so find you a good provider that will tell you the truth. A good provider who tells you the truth will say, here are the risks of a VBAC. Here are the risks of a repeat C-section. They will not pretend like a repeat C-section has no risks. Um, And A good provider will not push you into unnecessary interventions just because it's easier and more convenient for them, just because they feel more comfortable because they have more control over a C-section. There are fewer variables. Um, You don't want a provider that is going to push you into things that just aren't medically necessary and aren't best for you and your baby, but maybe makes them more money or allows them to go on that vacation at the time that they wanted to go on the vacation, that scheduling an induction in a C-section section certainly gives them some more flexibility in that. So you really want to find a midwife or a provider that is going to tell you the truth about the risks and the benefits across the board, and that will ultimately support you in your choice and will be extremely encouraging of you should you safely pursue a VBAC. VBACs, like I said, even after multiple C-sections can be, can be extremely safe um, and even safer in some cases than, again, the repeat C-section. So don't be scared. There are going to be people in your life who say, oh, no, just go to the C-section. Oh, no, that's so dangerous. Oh, no, that's so awful. Oh, no, once a C-section, always a C-section. Those people just don't know. They just don't know. There are a lot of resources out there about a VBAC versus a C-section. Do your do your work, educate yourself, walk into that meeting with your provider with as much information as you possibly can. Um, and yeah, that would be my advice to you. All right, a break to tell you guys about Seven Weeks Coffee. The reason why Seven Weeks Coffee has its name is because at seven weeks, that baby inside the womb is the size of a coffee bean. And the reason that Seven Weeks Coffee exists is not just to provide you with really great organically farmed coffee, which they do. We absolutely love it. But it's also to support every beating heart. So they donate 10% of every sale to pregnancy centers across the country. You guys know I've talked about this a lot. These pregnancy centers are providing so much for these mothers, these pregnant moms in need and their families. And so thus far, uh, Seven Weeks has donated over $100,000 to over 500 pregnancy centers. And just by buying really good coffee from Seven Weeks, you can help save the lives of these children. So go to sevenweekscoffee.com. Use code 
Ali at checkout for 10% off your order. Go to sevenweekscoffee.com, use code Ali, sevenweekscoffee.com, code Ali. Let's talk about something different, a little lighter subject, Brie. <laughs> Let's talk about musical theater. <laughs> because I don't know if people know this, but I did musical theater for a little bit growing up, and you were a musical theater star. <laughs> I was a star. <laughs> you were a star growing up. And we talked about this the other day behind the scenes. Um, but I was, I was, I really liked theater. And I liked Broadway and musical theater and things like that. I certainly wasn't. My singing voice is average, mediocre. Um, but I still did it. I did it outside of school. And so I was in like a few plays and musicals as like smaller parts. And we were both in Into the Woods. Yeah. And you were Jack's mother. Yes. Okay. Explain what Into the Woods is. Into the Woods is like, well, the actual version of the show is like not a kid's show. It's like very oh, yeah. dark, but yes. um, it's basically telling like an interwoven story of from like fairy tales. It's like Jack and the Beanstalk, Cinderella, Cinderella. Rapunzel. Yeah. yeah, Rapunzel. And it centers on like a baker and his wife, just like normal characters who are trying to, oh, now I don't even remember. They're trying to find something <laughs> i don't know <laughs> trying to find something and they encounter a witch and it's long it's long and i remember it's long because when i was in it my dad my mom and dad came to the show and the first half <laughs> ends with like a song that's like happily ever after and then you come back and your dad was two. so excited my dad was ready to go and my mom said that was only the first half <laughs> oh my gosh and i just feel bad for him because it was high school theater and uh, i probably wouldn't want to sit through it either yeah um but yeah, it's long. Uh, but yeah. it's fun. I was one of the stepsisters. Oh, yeah. Cinderella's stepsister. And me That's and the fun. other girl, it was awful. Because, okay, <laughs> <laughs> because Into the Woods is is known for having some, like, difficult music, right? Yes. Like, difficult singing. Mm -hmm. So I remember that. And I was so proud to have been cast in this cast because it was seen as like more advanced yeah. and I was not advanced. But as much as they tried to get me, I think it was Florinda and Lorinda, maybe our name, something like that. Um, as much as they tried to get us to be able to harmonize, we couldn't. <laughs> it it sounded awful. Like I remember Aww. one time performing and looking out at the director and she was making this face. She was like, mm. <laughs> that's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was like in sixth grade. Um, but I do remember trying out for it and I sang for my tryout song, which they said was good, maybe for sixth grader, um, was A Whole New World. Oh, cute. Yeah. I tried to sing it in the car the other day. I was like, wow, my voice has changed a lot. I can't reach these notes at all. Um, so, and then we, I had some plays in high school, Nicholas Nickleby, which mm. I was supposed to have a British accent for, which was terrible. Oh but I liked playing like characters, like funny characters. Like Me in too. Thoroughly Modern Millie, there was, I think it was like Miss Flannery or something like that. Um, I don't remember her name, but that was that was fun. And I liked creating my own characters for skits, for <laughs> drama class. That was fun. But the character roles, I think, are actually easier to yeah. play than the just regular. I agree with that. I agree yeah. with that. I never felt like I was like 
leading lady material because I felt like those roles were a little bit more boring. They're totally boring. Um, and I also, I was cast in a role, I, pl- I was in Robin Hood and I played Lady Quigley. And I don't remember anything she does, but she's like the sidekick of the main character. And um, I, he was like, dude, just do a Scottish accent. Just, 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 just do, do that. It's just easy. I was like 15, I think. And I, man, I tried. Can you try now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. Oh, actually, it turns Irish, I think, when I try. But um, so no. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't want to offend. I won't, yeah, I won't make people. you. It's my favorite accent. And I just could not do it for the life of me. But I sure tried. Yeah. Mm, Embarrassing. Wow. Was it was your favorite role that you played? Um. I, I don't even remember the name of the play. I was in a one-act play, and I played a stage mom. Oh. And it was very dramatic. I could see it. And it was so much fun. Yes. I don't remember that much about it, but I remember I had a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, there was like a time that I thought about when I first got married, <laughs> and we lived in Athens, Georgia. I was like, I wonder if there are any like theaters any plays that I can try out. For. That's what you do when you have time. <laughs> you think about things like that. Now I can't imagine. Although that's why I still like doing like sometimes little skits that we do, which we don't have mm-hmm. as much time for as we, as I used to before I was doing four episodes a week. But that is just like a fun, a fun part of, I don't know, a, a fun a fun thing that I like to do. I don't know what I'm trying yeah, to say. It's a fun little hobby, but it does take a lot of time. When I was in yeah. France, I was in, a, I was in Romeo and Juliet. Oh, really? Yeah, it was just like a summer thing. And we had a, like a little theater outside of the Sacre-Cœur. Mm-hmm. And it was very picturesque. It was really fun, but it took a lot of time and it was exhausting. And I was, I just did it to meet people. And I did, but I was also like, did you have I, to speak French? No, it was it was in English. Oh, um, but yeah, it was. It's a lot of effort. So. You know, but nowadays I think that parents have a lot of hesitance to allow their kids to be in theater because theater. <laughs> is, I mean, theater has always been a hotbed of, and I say this as someone who was in like an extracurricular theater program for like three <laughs> years of my life. Okay, so I feel like I can say this. Theater attracts some strange people, right? Mm -hmm. It attracts some strange people. And now you can't just be strange. You have to be trans. (laughs) Like you have to be non-binary, you know? And so I feel like it's not always parents are scared about like the morals that come with, you know, their kids being into the arts. And that's sad. That is really sad. I know. I remember my parents kind of talking about that a little bit when I was in high school. Yeah. And now I'm like, it's so much worse. Yeah. Everybody's a they, them now. That's why Hollywood's weird. Just a bunch (laughs) of theater kids who happen to be good looking. Yeah. And you can spot, you can spot them from a mile away, but yeah, they're really. Yeah. And you know, all those celebrities you think became famous from like their big break when they were 25 you realize they were part of the Mickey Mouse Club when they were like seven or <laughs> yeah. they had been in Disney or they had been in showbiz for like their entire lives. Mm-hmm. So you can't be really that surprised when they're weird when they name their kid Zucchini or something because it's I like know. you don't know. That's your whole thing. I was just, I was talking to my brother about how Olivia Rodrigo, yes. who I think is a really talented songwriter. Totally and very pretty. I love her music actually. Um, but like she was like a Disney kid from 
Really? And they and they went out of their way to like make her one, I think mm. is the thing that's like the parents like wanted her to audition for stuff like that. Um and it worked for her, which is great, but you ha- you can't ignore the fact that like some of this is a product of the system of cranking out little pop stars and little yeah. actresses and even Taylor Swift who I love. You guys know that I love her. Um the narrative is like Oh, she was discovered. But her dad works for um, some huge firm that has ties to something. And he they moved specifically to Nashville to, like, push her music career. Mm. Um, Where is she from? She's from Pennsylvania. Mm. Um, See, yeah, that's so interesting because I I think I might have, like, known something about that. But you do kind of see her as this country star. So she moved to Tennessee when in her life? Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly when. Because she spoke with a twang when she first started. So are you saying that's not genuine? No, I mean, I think, I don't know. Maybe they might have had ties there also. But yeah, I mean, she, that was a specific, like, marketing as a country star. She she, she pretended. was also like fourteen though, so she pretended. She pretended. I heard she's a in the grocery store, uh, Drew looks at me, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, her heyday!" I know, <laughs> not and really her heyday. I mean, she's obviously very famous now, but just so sweet. Yeah, and now she's re-recording all those songs, and I'm wondering if she's gonna put on the accent again. Oh yeah, that's true. She's we'll kind of lost the accent. Yeah. Pennsylvania girl now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so, that's really interesting because you do see someone like Olivia Rodrigo as, oh, she's just such, she's so Gen Z. Mm-hmm. Like she, I'm sure to Gen Z is like very relatable, how she dresses, how she acts, that like trendy apathy that is so cool for Gen Z. Yeah. But it's like she probably hasn't been socialized that well. Right. You know? Yeah, which is so sad. We want to think that it's like all organic. It's all like yeah. they're sitting in their bedroom and a talent, like we were talking about <laughs> the other day, a talent yeah. scout just randomly walks in and is like, wow, you're amazing. Heard and, them singing on the grocery yeah. aisle. <laughs> but, but really, I think for most, for most people, it's just not like that. And yeah, because it's of that, they don't get the like the normal experiences that the rest of us do. Taylor Swift never went to high school. I mean, she went to like two years of high school, I think, but like, yeah. I mean, that'll kind of make you a little different. A little different. A little different. (laughs) Yeah. Did you ever read Jeanette McCurdy, I'm Glad My Mm -hmm. Mom Died? You didn't? No, you recommended it to me. I haven't read it yet. And you you didn't read it. You were like, I don't care. (laughs) I was like, no. No, I I want to. No, but I think you would really like it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. She was raised by a mom who she was, uh, what was it? What, What was the... Uh, Disney show that she was in iCarly iCarly yeah yes she was in iCarly and that for us in our minds we're like that's the only thing that she did but she was doing stuff for so long before that and for years after that just like her mom wanted her to be famous but also really wanted her to be skinny they had a very weird codependent relationship where her mom was like strangely abusive and like Mm -hmm. I say strangely and like not just your traditional, I'm going to like slap you, but emotional, all that kind of stuff, even like sexual abuse. But she really lived for like the approval of her mom and trying to be famous. And she she 
thought that, okay, this is what I want to do too, but really she conflated her mom's desire with her own desire. And I just wonder if how, how much that happens to these kids. Right. That sure, they decide, yeah, I want to be famous. Yeah, I, of course, everyone likes attention. Everyone likes to be told you're beautiful and talented. But I wonder how much of it is really their choice and how much of it they're told this right. is their choice. And that is troubling. Yeah. And I mean, there's also the element of like, when you're a kid, it's it's child labor. And I can't imagine a lot of those kids want to go and film for eight hours a day. I, I know there are limits, but to, to go into a studio, like they probably just want to like hang out with their friends and yeah. like play video games or something. Like y- you have to go and work and memorize lines and like do things over and be told what to do. And kids don't want that. So yeah, yeah maybe some of them have like vision for this and like are built for this. Some of them, you just have to. There's you just to have to it. imagine they're not. Yeah, and that destroys. I think that destroys some of them. So, and there's so much exploitation too, and like sexual mm-hmm. exploitation of these kids, and like the things yeah. that you hear and learn about and see when you are a young child in Hollywood can't be that great. Like it's yeah. not only that your time and freedom is taken from you, but your innocence is taken from you. Probably, yeah. I think that's why a lot of them end up so messed up at yeah. such a young age, and. Like in some ways, it's just like a failure to grow up because they weren't ever given, they weren't ever given normalcy as a child. Yeah, they're like shotgunned into adulthood when they're kids, and they skip a whole phase of life, and that's yeah. so sad. Did, in that book, does she talk about Dan Schneider at all? Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah, I don't know who is he. He's like uh, he's been the executive director. Well, not anymore. He was the executive director. But- producer of a lot of those Nickelodeon shows. Well, she does talk about a guy, I can't remember if that was his name, uh, who was like very weird with the young him. talent. He, I, I think it just came out actually that he was like specifically asking these young stars for like feet pics. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. But I don't know if that's the same person. I'm sure there's a lot of creepers yeah, out there because they can manipulate these young kids oh if you do this for me i'll do this for you Mm -hmm. and i bet a lot of the parents are like well yeah yeah if it makes us famous if it makes us money really really sad All right, absolutely love this sponsor and that is every life diaper company unfortunately absolutely tragically there are diaper companies diaper companies that you have probably used and love that support the abortion industry completely counterproductive but also just evil if you want to get really good high quality diapers from a pro-life company then you should start getting your diapers from every life diaper company their diapers are without fragrances dyes lotions latex parabens so you can feel really good about using their diapers, but also they have something called their Buy for a Cause bundle that supports families in need of essential items like diapers and wipes. So it makes it easier for these moms to choose life when they are supplied with these essential baby items so you can be a part of that life-giving story by working with Every Life. Go to everylife.com, use code ALLY10 to get 10% off your order today. That's everylife.com, code ALLY10, everylife.com, code ALLY10. All right, next question. Uh, No one is talking about women outside the role of mom and wife. Is that all I am to the church? 
So there's a lot of parts of this question. First, I would say that Paul says it's better to be single than to be married. We know that Jesus wasn't married. And so it is a very, singleness is a very high calling. Not everyone is called to it, but we are told that it's a gift because you don't have to split your priorities and your interests between your family and God. You can be completely 100% sold out to what God is calling you to do individually. Whereas if you are a spouse or if you are a parent, you are not thinking only about uh, about you know your individual calling. You are thinking about the needs and the well-being of your family. You should be. That's a godly thing if you're a spouse or a parent um, doing that. But uh, you know, that's a necessary, I don't want to call it a distraction because I don't want it to demean that. But if we are to read what scripture says about singleness and about the exclusive focus on Christ that singleness affords you, I think that it's okay to say that it is a form of a distraction uh, that is added to your life when you get married when you have kids that you don't have when you're single. And of course, these things are blessings. We know that marriage, according to Ephesians 5, is a reflection of Christ in the church. There is great eternal gospel significance in marriage. We also understand from Psalm 127 that the kids of your youth, the children of your youth, are like arrows in your quiver. They are blessings. They are never burdens, and we are beneficiaries of the gift of children. They do not detract from who we are. They add to our lives and add and multiply our joy. Um, But even so, as we said, being single is a high calling. It is a good calling. And sure, I do think that the church absolutely could do a better job at ensuring that we talk about singleness. We talk about single women, single men, um, as not as people who are just waiting to get married. And that we are not talking about singleness as a perpetual waiting period. And we're not talking about marriage as something that you have to attain to, to have fulfillment or to assuage loneliness or to be a true Christian. And that we don't talk about motherhood or fatherhood as something that you have to do or have to aspire to in order to be a fulfilled, happy Christian. Again, these things are wonderful. They are blessings. God may have them in store for you, but they are not the highest Christian calling. The highest Christian calling is to glorify God. And so we need to make sure that we as a church are talking about um, marriage versus singleness in a way that is biblical. And I do think when it comes to like how we were raised up in youth group and so-called purity culture, which I've done an episode on in the past and what purity actually looks like according to scripture, I do think that we were basically told like the only thing that you're thinking about right now is sex and the only way that you're going to have that satisfied, um, the only way that you're going to be able to satisfy your deepest desire, which is sex, it was assumed is through marriage. So Just like really just like hold on tight until you get there. Then when you get there, you can finally be happy. You can finally be free. You don't have to worry about this like struggle anymore. And really that was seen as like the goal, as the thing to think about, the thing to pray about, the thing to uh, use as your lens through which to like read scripture and read books. And like that was basically our focus was 
finding a good husband or finding a good wife, which is a beautiful pursuit. It's a beautiful thing to want and to pray for. But again, it is not the goal. It is not the prize. Christ is the prize. Um, and so there, and so we just need to ensure that there are so many opportunities for single men and women to serve in the church, that they are just as much welcome in our Bible studies. They're just as much welcome in our small groups. They're just as much welcome uh, you know, in certain roles in ministry. And uh, I do think marriage is beneficial when it comes to some ministry roles because we should be able to like look at how a person leads their family and engages in marriage and raises their kids. That can kind of tell us how well they'll be able to lead certain things. Um, but certainly we should ensure that we are equipping our single people to be evangelists, to be teachers, to be the people that God has equipped them to be no matter their marital status and that the, we tell them that they can honor Christ fully. They can be happy in Christ fully. They can be satisfied in Christ fully right now, even as a single person, and they don't have to wait for their Christianity or sanctification to really start when they get married or when they have kids. Um, let's see. Uh, next question. Um, do you think that DeSantis is a rhino, a Republican in name only? Uh, I don't. And I've never thought this. I know that that's what a lot of like strong Trump supporters want to say, that he's a Republican in name only. And really, he's just part of the establishment and that, you know, you can't vote for him because you can't trust him. I don't really know exactly where that is coming from. I think he has a very solid record, especially as governor um, in actually fighting for conservative values, the values and principles that you and I have. Uh, I'm not I'm not concerned about that at all. Like if anything, I'm concerned that Trump doesn't really have a cohesive worldview, that he kind of goes whatever way the wind is blowing and that there's no like moral impetus for the policies that he advocates for, which maybe you don't care about that. And I'm not saying that someone can't accomplish good things um, simply by basing their policy decisions, you know, on what their voters want. But you really want someone to like get it. You know, you really want someone to know the why behind it. And I don't think Trump understands that at all. Honestly, at the end of the day, I think that he thinks most of us Christians are silly probably that we're backwards. I mean, he's definitely on board with at least parts of the LGBTQ stuff. He said some good things, uh, which I appreciate about being against child mutilation, et cetera. Um, but he, uh, he has also been, you know, wishy-washy on some things. And I think that's just because he doesn't really have a moral foundation. I don't worry about that with Ron DeSantis. Not that I personally know every facet of his faith or anything like that, but he seems to me to really get it, to get the why. Like, why do we care about gender? Why do we care about the family? Like, why do we care about, you know, corporate America trying to infringe upon our rights. He seems to under, so I don't, there may be legitimate criticisms. I'm not saying any candidate is perfect. I don't understand the rhino one. Um, I, I just don't really, I just don't really get that. And I don't think it holds a lot of water. Okay, a break to tell y'all about Birch. 
gold. So I don't have to tell you that the economy seems unstable. We don't know what the future looks like. And you just want to make sure that your savings are protected as much as possible. So diversify a portion of your savings, just a portion of your savings into gold to protect yourself and your family. You can do that with the help of Birch Gold. Birch Gold can help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about or it scares you a little bit because you've never diversified into a hard asset like gold, all you have to do is text Allie to 989-898. You'll get a free info kit on gold. There's no obligation. They'll answer your questions. They'll tell you more about this and you can see if it's right for you. So text Allie to 989-898 to learn more about why so many people love working with Birch Gold. Text Allie to 989-898. Alley to 989-898. Um, why party infighting is bad for America. Uh, someone asked me, I guess, to talk about this. This will be the last question that I answer. So I'm going to repeat something that I thought of in the moment when I was talking to my friend, Blaze TV colleague, Aaron McIntyre, a few months ago. And I said, it is easier to agree when your goal is destruction, then it is to agree when your goal is to build. So the progressive's goal, progressivism's goal, is to destroy, it's to take down barriers, it's to take down parameters, boundaries that have been previously placed um, for societal reasons. I would say for protection, they would say completely arbitrarily. So the definition of the family, the rule of law, the gender binary, let us destroy these things and so we can move to a more equitable, liberated society. They have no coherent vision for what to build in the place of all of these, what they would call social norms that they have demolished in the name of freedom, in the name of equity. Uh, The rights we are not looking to just destroy. I mean, anyone can take a bulldozer and, you know, tear something down, tear an edifice down. You don't really need a strategy in that. You're just destroying, you're laying waste. Whereas on the right, we are constantly asking ourselves, but what do we want to be? Like, what do we want this country to be? Like, what are we trying to build it into? We know these things are good, or we disagree on, okay, this edifice is good, this structure is good, this boundary is good, this boundary is not, we should build on that, we should tear that down, no, we should build on that, no, we should tear that that down, here's the materials we should use, here's the foundation, that's really what we kind of disagree on, what foundation should we use? We know we need to build something, but what foundation, like how many fences do we need to put up, how many bricks need to go here? Like that is much more difficult, it's much more difficult to decide on how to build something than how to destroy it. There's basically only one way to destroy something. And if everyone takes a hammer, you can destroy a building together without speaking the same language, without having the same you know, co- you know, moral vision. Whereas on the right, we're trying to build. And so it's really difficult for us to agree because we're all kind of starting from different places. We all generally kind of agree that, okay, the government, that progressive government overreach is bad, but we disagree on like, where do our rights come from? We shouldn't disagree on that, but unfortunately we do. Like, where do our rights come from? Uh, what rights do the government have? Uh, does the government have versus us? What's the role of the family? What's the definition of the family? Do these things matter if we're 
building a coherent moral vision. What is a coherent moral vision? Um, so we have a lot of disagreements on the right. And while I do think party and fighting is deleterious, it's also inevitable when it comes to building something. So what we need to do as conservatives is we need to decide on our foundation. And here's the problem, though. I'm not going to budge on believing that the foundation is that we were all created by a God who made us in his image as male and female and created the family. I'm not going to I'm not going to budge on Genesis one. That's God. I'm not asking for Levitical law. Certainly, I'm not asking for a theocracy. I'm just saying all laws start somewhere, start with a worldview, are based on something, have some foundation. Let's start with Genesis 1, at least, that there is a higher power that transcends the government that gives us our rights. Therefore, the government is not the highest power, can't give and take away those rights arbitrarily. We were all made in his image, so people matter more than plants and animals. And he made us male and female. That's fixed. And he made us in his image. So we matter. So abortion is bad. Murder is bad. Like trampling on people's rights is bad. So like I'm not going to compromise on Genesis 127. But there are a lot of people on the right who don't believe that, who think that we can be founded upon reason as if that's something that can just happen in a vacuum. We should just be founded upon facts, again, as if objective truth exists without a transcendent power and objective universal moral order. It doesn't. Um, so that's that's the issue. I'm not going to budge. I'm not going to budge on Genesis 1. And someone on the other side is probably not going to budge on believing that we can just be enlightenment thinkers and all start from a place of like rationality, which apparently just evolved over time. So I don't really know what to do about that. There's going to be infighting. Do I think it's probably detrimental? Yes, but we've got to agree on the foundation. Until we can agree on that, there's going to be a lot more division. I can link arms with people that agree with me on like gender, but maybe disagree with me on abortion. I think that's fine, but I'm not going to budge on the foundational things. And at the end of the day, it's more important for me to abide by what God's word says than to win any elections or be seen as like the right kind of Republican or whatever. So that's my take on that. All right. That's all we have time for today. We will be back here soon. So, Blaze TV has a goal of saving 70,000 babies in 2023, and we are well on our way. The way that we're doing that is by supporting Preborn. Preborn is a network at clinics of clinics uh, that provides free services to pregnant women in need, particularly free sonograms. If a pregnant woman uh, gets a sonogram, she sees that baby, she sees the life growing inside of her, she hears that beating heart, she is significantly less likely to pursue an abortion and then decide to keep her baby. If you would consider donating just $64, $64, you can cover the cost of multiple uh, ultrasounds just by donating that $64. Dial pound 250, say the keyword baby. That's pound 250. Say the keyword baby, or you can just go to preborn.com slash Allie. Make your donation today. Whatever you can donate is helpful. Go to preborn.com slash Allie, preborn.com slash Allie.
Hey, Relatabells and Relatabros, if you could please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to Relatable, that would mean so much to us and it really does help the show. Also, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do. Thanks. Thanks.